Hello and welcome to the Coon Hunting University Podcast. This is your host, Tyler Duncan. And like always, class is in session. Hey y'all, so Coon Hunting University is brought to you by Superior Light Company, best lights in the business. If you don't believe me, go check them out, nighthunters.com. Use coupon code CHUPODCAST at checkout and receive almost $20 off Hellcat Max. But that code is good for any superior light on that website and the battery tester, which works with the Hellcat Max. So go over there and check them out. So today we'll be doing something a little different on the Coon Hunting U. I'm joined by Chance Parker, whom you heard in episode number two. And the boys from Between the Tines Outdoor Podcast, Ricky Bayham and Dustin Wascom. I had an absolute blast recording this with these guys. If you haven't already, go check out their podcast, Between the Tines. It's awesome, and it's really extremely popular. About 20 times as popular as Coon Hunting University. So normally here at the old schoolhouse, it's all business. But today, you're going to hear it's cut up a little bit. But at the same time, having a real discussion about bridging the gap between coon hunters and other outdoorsmen. Hope y'all enjoy it. So y'all sit back, and here it is. Coon Hunting University collab with Between the Tines Outdoors. So... I got Chance Parker here with me. He's sitting in the studio. We're sitting here. We got the Between the Time podcast guys on here, which are Ricky and Dustin. How y'all doing? So Ricky and Dustin, one at a time. Could y'all please tell me a little bit about yourselves? Tell the listeners. All right. I'm uh, 43 years old, pretty much a lifetime outdoorsman. Grew up small game hunting mostly because in our area, we didn't have a lot of deer when I was a kid growing up. Did pretty much every kind of hunting you can imagine, rabbit hunting, squirrel hunting, coon hunting, duck hunting, deer hunting, pretty much whatever season there was, we did it growing up. And, uh, you know, at different times, I've been more serious about some things than others. I was a diehard coon hunter when I was a younger man in my late teens and early 20s and mid-20s. I coon hunted a lot, probably five, six nights a week. Then kind of got out of that, got more serious about deer hunting and, uh, just in the last couple of years, I've kind of got back into the squirrel dog hunting. Wow. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a little bit about me. That's uh, a lot. <laughs> no, that's good. <laughs> One thing about us, we will kind of cut up a little bit. Y'all get ready. Yeah, we get it. Oh. oh, don't worry. All right, y'all ready? Yeah. I'm Dustin. Dustin Wascom. Uh, man, I'm 35. Live in La Ronja, Louisiana. Been hunting pretty much all my life. Killed my first deer when I was around seven years old. Big time deer hunters, as you can tell from Between the Time podcast. But yeah, we did a little bit of everything. Squirrel hunting, rabbit hunting, coon hunting, trapping here and there. Nothing major. Uh, was not a big time turkey hunter or anything like that. So, didn't grow up turkey hunting. I can't say that. <laughs> yeah, Ricky can't say that. But uh, yeah, I'm actually from Greensburg, Louisiana. Just a little rundown, yeah. So it ain't nothing major. We started hunting when we was real young with our dads and grandpas and me. I grew up with my grandpa's, so that's pretty much why I started, you know, squirrel hunting and rabbit hunting and stuff like that. And, and we also did coon hunting too, but nothing in the caliber like y'all do. Chance, Dustin, and Ricky, tell me about y'all's experience with hounds, and also give me your experience with deer hunting and where you stand on that that way everybody can get an idea of our perspectives on on each of those you know i'll kind of go first if, if that's fine yeah that's I'll, cool mine be short and sweet 
you know, as a as a young kid, my grandpa always was looking for something else besides deer hunting, rabbit hunting, and squirrel hunting. So for a pastime, we kind of coon hunted. Nothing major, no competition, anything like that. But it was an opportunity to get us outdoors. And as a kid, you know, basically you're holding on to your dad's belt loop and uh, watching and learning as, uh, you know, learning to rain in the night because when you coon hunting, you coon hunting at night. So you kind of learn a lot more of your surroundings and where nowadays a lot of kids, I think, would probably use GPS. Yeah to figure their way out of something. If you start at a young age following some of these older guys around, you know, grabbing on by their belt loop, let them talk, touch you across the creek or, you know, even standing side by side with them on flat ground because not all the times you're on flat ground, but you learn how to walk in the dark in the midnight. So, uh, anyway, you, you learn how to walk, you know, with the moon, with the moonlight kind of. So, you know, as, as darkness falls to me, it's kind of like deer. It kind of brings me back to deer hunting because when night falls, you know, when you're getting ready to get out your stand, your eyes kind of prevail and you start to see more than what you can actually see once the darkness hits. It's kind of like your, your eyes focus a lot more on what you're looking at. So back in the day when we were kids, they just say, come on, you know, let's go. We're going in the woods. Well, I kind of knew the area, even though I was only probably five years old. But he still told me these are the boundaries. This is what to look for. If you go this far, you don't went too far, kind of like a creek or, you know, there's a big oak tree down there that looks like a W or something, you know. It might have three branches in it, whatever. And we always had lights and stuff like that. But you learn how to walk in the night. So I think – that helps me during deer season because I'm a roll it into deer season because that's what we do the most. And nowadays, I rarely, I'm not saying I don't need a nightlight at all because I know you can get turned around. I've done it before by myself. So, but I kind of look at my surroundings a lot more nowadays than if I was to just go in the woods by myself without anybody kind of explaining. Here's the boundary line here. If you get to the east side, this is going to be something you might see because they, they've done hunted it. They done walked it, and they, they hunt it multiple times a year, you know. So it kind of broke me into knowing my surroundings coon hunting-wise. Now, did I do a lot of it? No, I did not. So, But I did have fun when I did. We we don't use moonlight no more. We use superiors just nowadays. Superior light? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll give him yeah. a plug real quick. Yeah, he, he's got to get that plug in there. Plug in, huh? That way we don't have yeah. to use the moonlight no more. <laughs> But, we used to use, I, I'm not sure what lights were back then. You know, I mean, this has been 20, this probably been 25 years ago. I'm 35 now, so this had to be 25 years ago. Yeah. But I can still remember them days uh, of my grandpa kind of giving me, if if he walked off and he told me to stand there and he'll be back to come get me. And if I got, you know, antsy and wanted to, to go for a walk or something, he kind of told me the boundaries. So. Yeah. And he always gave me a little, you know, the old mag light. Yeah, he, he never, mag light, yeah. He, he, yeah, he never gave me the, uh, yeah. the, old, the old Q beam on top of yeah. the, the, the hat, you know. So, Chance, tell us what kind of deer hunter are you, but then tell us what kind of coon hunter you are. 
I I would say that I'm more than I would say I'm more of a coon hunter to shoot a deer every now and then. Used to, I hated deer with a passion. I mean, I hated them. Then I started coon hunting, and that you know, you can't do both at mm-hmm. night. So I had to quit one. <laughs> You know, so, <laughs> so oh, I stuck wow. with I stuck with coon hunting. It's kind of in my blood. My my grandpa done it. He tells me stories. I never got to go with him. My dad did it a little bit, and I got into it in high school, and and uh, it kind of passed me by when I was in college and stuff. Kind of quit and got married and got back into it. So, and you're the guy that used to coon hunt hard, but now you don't. So that's going to be your point on this podcast. So make that's sure your perspective, you, right? Make so, sure you tell them three divorces. Two divorces. Two, two. That's, that's kind of an Mr. ongoing Tom, if Tom, if, if, if Tom Hopkins listens to this, Mr. Tom, you might make him have another divorce. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Um, I, I mean, I've been, I'm more of a deer hunter now than a coon hunter. But I, I've been on both sides of the fence. You know, when I coon hunted hard, I was hunting six nights a week a lot of times. At that time, I really didn't care anything at all about deer hunting. I mean, I was coon hunting all through deer season. I'd go deer hunting, you know, a couple weeks out of the year. And, but I, I'm kind of like, my wife tells me all the time I got too many hobbies, and I've I probably got every hobby you can imagine. And, you know, if I keep listening to Tyler's podcast, I'm probably going to have another coon dog and that that divorce thing <laughs> coming up my personality is you know er- everything i've ever done i just i go pretty hard at it you know it's hard to do it all but a couple years ago i i got back into the squirrel dog thing and that's a lot of fun i got a 10 year old son and uh he has a lot of fun with it you know he's never been coon hunting so i'm sitting there thinking i'm like man if you think squirrel hunting's fun just think if we had a coon dog you know and my wife's over there shaking her head like no, <laughs> no. <laughs> but to me, I think, you know, there's nothing like being out in the middle of the night by yourself or with people. It don't matter. And it's cool and calm and crisp and a dog comes treed. I mean, it's, if you don't get chills from that, you don't need to be coon hunting. No. You're right. No. You're right. And, and I think, yeah. like, as far as the squirrel dogs and the coon dogs and, and coon hunting like this and squirrel hunting, it's good for kids because it's not so... It's a good way to introduce them to hunting because you're not right, sitting right. in the stand. They're not having to be still. You're not having to worry about wind. You're not having to do all these things. It's it's more yeah. of a relaxed atmosphere. Right. Alan Bridges said it today on Houndsman XP. He said, you know, you set a kid in a deer stand that's seven years old. You give him a game. You say, okay, play this game until this deer comes out. You take a kid coon hunting at seven years old, and he's over there in the creek flipping over, you know, rocks looking at fish and looking at deer tracks and everything else. It's a lot more interactive for kids, right? Oh yeah. You know, yeah. uh, yeah, you give them a little flashlight. It shines in the creek. Yeah. You, don't you, don't have have to, to, you don't have to be real quiet. You don't have no. to walk quiet. No, it's kind of like fishing. It yeah. is. It's like fishing, you know, or yeah. squirrel hunting. Same I ain't way. never been duck hunting, so I wouldn't know about that, but yeah, kind of like fishing. You can sit there, cut up a little bit. And when the dog, dog trees, it's, it's time to go. That's right. So kind of like when a fish are biting, yeah. you better have your hook in the water. You yeah. right. So Dustin, since you're the one of us that probably has the least amount of experience with coon hunting, tell me what you think about it nowadays. You know, do you ever think about people that coon hunt 
prior to us talking about doing this podcast and what, what, what does that bring to your mind in the present day's time? Not necessarily back in the day. So in today's time, I think coon hunting should be more than what it is nowadays, even though I'm a big time deer hunter. My perspective on the whole situation is if you get on any type of social media and people have tons of coons on there, the feeders, they have tons of coons in the deer box stands, you know, the old box stands they build, you know, just tearing feeders up, eating all the corn. I think it's an issue, and we just brought this up with a buddy of mine not too long ago. I think there's a time for coon hunters to come in. If anybody knows a coon hunter, uh, I think it would be a good time to have a coon hunter come through your property, whether it be private, whatever. Me specifically, I would want you to come through my property, right? Not necessarily during a good prime time deer season, but to come thin the coons out because of the feeders. It would it would be almost like I would pay you to come do it, you know? Just because I don't know a whole lot of people down here that do it anymore. I do know a few, but when you put that in a percentage, it's man, it's it's yeah. very small. Yeah. Yeah. It's very small. I mean and just, Yeah. What do you say? And no, nah, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say even you talk about just hunters in general and it's small. Right. And then you talk about hound hunters in general and it gets smaller. Then you talk about coon hunters in general and it gets even smaller. You know what I'm really, saying? Really, really small. I mean, yeah. yeah. So I think it's a good thing to look. If people want to coon hunt, you know, nowadays people have a problem. Landowners have problems with you going fishing in a pond. When we were kids, all it took was a knock on the door, right? Make sure you clean your trash up, blah, blah, blah. Nowadays, the people are so protective over their property and somebody getting hurt on their property. I feel like this is just me. I'm just thinking out the box kind of because this is what I would do. I would get some type of paperwork saying, look, if I, the liability of something happening uh, for me coon hunting would be on me. I think that would go a long ways with a landowner nowadays. Uh, just to say, let me go coon hunting, right? Because I think there's a lot more people out there that want people to coon hunt, but not a lot of people to coon hunt or the people that own the property don't know a lot of coon hunters. Yeah. Am I right about that, Ricky? Yeah, especially down here. Yeah. Because, so, man, we got so many coons, and it's just like bears in Louisiana, too. You know, I can kind of relate to that, you know. Louisiana ain't putting nothing on the black bears, tearing deer feeders up. That costs people money. Mm-hmm. And you got to think about the feed. Yeah. You got to think about the 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 feeder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? I wish I owned Vaseline or had a percentage in it because that's what a lot of people put on. Uh, the legs. Yeah, the legs of the feeders. But like I said, I think it would be good for somebody that, I hope somebody listens to this podcast and reaches out to others because I think y'all's type of podcast would help a lot other people when it comes to deer hunting as far as tearing the feeders down, eating all the corn, because, I mean, it would be 40 coons in one corn pile. I mean, yeah. that's outrageous. That's, they could eat 40 pounds in one night. Mm-hmm. So 
let's not even worry about let's let's talk about you know we got deer corn we're talking about deer, eat, coons eating deer corn but you know i know i'm passionate about it chance is passionate about it y'all two are passionate about it but let's talk about turkeys i mean you know coons are the oh, number yeah. one i mean there's no doubt i mean it's it's proven number one i mean and i actually found a study from missouri it's saying in to maintain a balance 2.5 poults per hen must be produced in missouri so when the ratio mm -hmm. drops below 2.5 a population is declined indicating when when it goes above 2.5 an increase so nesting predators is a limit, limiting factor in wild turkey population. Every study done, raccoons are the primary nest predator. So in 1998, there was 200,000 mm -hmm. raccoon pelts yeah, sold. That was the most. Yeah. And the, the hen pulp was 2.6, which is really good per hen. Okay. So in 2020, it was one. And there was 24,652 right. pelts sold. But 2019, it was 0.9, and there was 22,562 pelts sold. So that's a direct correlation between pelts sold and pelts born. And, I mean, I'm very passionate about that. I mean, I'm as passionate right. about turkey habitat because that's a finicky creature as I am about coon hunting. You know, that's 45 oh, yeah. days out the year. I know Chance is the exact small, same way. Small season. Yeah, small season. Yeah. I mean, they're finicky. You know, it's something that, if anything, if you're worried about turkeys, that's one thing. You know, well, I right. I, I listened to um, Doctor Mike Chamberlain. I don't know if y'all yeah. heard of him, but I, yeah, uh, I know exactly who you. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and he he was giving numbers out. Uh, he's done, you know, the the predator surveys or or whatever he done. I can't remember exactly, but if you kill a mature tom in South Mississippi and Mississippi in general, you've you've done something because right. just yeah. the the statistics is 80% of your nest are gone. I mean, they're not going to be successful. And and what is what is considered a successful hatch is one poult hatching out of a clutch of eggs. Just one. That's what that's, that's what can that's what's considered, you know, successful. Okay? Out of those one poults, you know, how many grow up to be a gobbler? I mean, it, it's it, you never know. You, I mean, you never know, and, and and every nest matters. It's, like 50, 50, it's, it's kind of like playing blackjack. Yeah. yeah. You know, fifty is going to be a hen. Fifty is going to be a gobbler. That there's certain places where you have good habitat, where you have two year old cutover, where a hen can nest, and usually those eggs are going to survive. But for the most part, especially in South Mississippi. You know, there's not that great of habitat. It's okay. You know, it's probably better in some right. places, but it's I enough mean, to get by. To get by. Sometimes it's enough to get by. Well, I'll tell you this the DeSoto National, I know there ain't no coon there, but there ain't no turkeys neither. So I don't know what's going on over there. <laughs> well, <laughs> there ain't no coon. I mean, I, I know the studies and, and what they show, and I know without a doubt a raccoon is a, is a top predator. It um, is for turkeys oh, but, there's no doubt but everything under the sun eats a turkey yeah. or a turkey egg i mean and right. it's all it's like it, they have no chances oh, i no, know no and the chances and, are very very limited and, yeah. and um everything goes hand in hand i mean you got to have habitat you've got to control predators you've got to do everything to to make it successful and um it's very hard 
very, very hard. It is because nowadays it's busy. You you live a busy life nowadays, so not too many people want to get out like y'all boys. You know, mm-hmm. go coon hunting. I don't know how many nights y'all go out a week, but and, and we talk about that on our podcast. So many people being busy instead of just living a slower pace of life and just go and do what you want to do. You know, you want to go coon hunting, you want to go deer hunting, turkey hunting during the season. You know. Yeah. It's just doing your part. Yeah. As an outdoorsman. Yeah. Tyler, you you want to hear my take on the kind of what we just talked about? Yeah, yeah I thought I did. <laughs> my bad. I, I'm, I'm sorry <laughs> if I left you out because I know you're a big time turkey hunter. No, I mean, and it's not just about the turkeys. You know, going back to the deer hunting for a second, I think it's a, I think it's a, a very bad misconception by a lot of deer hunters that actually believe that coon hounds are going to push deer off of their property, you know? And I I think people are really uneducated when it comes to that. Sure. Y'all seen this just as much as I have. I've been on a competition hunt before on a cast with, with four handlers and four dogs and a judge and actually treed coons and passed multiple deer bedded down within a hundred yards of that tree on the way to score that tree. You know, and it's, there, there's a different kind of thing. I think the the pressure that dogs put on the woods at night is totally different than, than what they do in the daytime. But I think deer are smart enough to know what's, what's after them and what's not, you know. Oh, 100% and, uh, they know. You drop one of mine though, you about to. You about to get some deer up. I promise you that. <laughs> he brought a deer about 400 last night and fell off on a coon. So we, we know what we're doing. Are you running I, something? I think landowners are too quick to dismiss, you know, coon hunters or squirrel hunters or whatever, people that hunt with dogs because they feel like it's, it's too intrusive, you know, on the deer or whatever. But I, I was just saying that to just make a point that, I mean, I've I've seen deer bedded down 60 yards from a dog tree in his head off, and everybody in the county could hear him. You yeah, know? and I've got a video and, uh, on my phone of a deer doing the same thing, you know? Yeah. I think it's areas. I think it's areas. I would, if you got an area full of deer, right? Yeah. If you got an area full of good deer, sure don't want nobody going in there coon hunting. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, But, but back to Ricky's point, I've walked – right past deer and videoed them right. sitting there right by the tree. I've turned dogs loose on a deer feeder and had deer, had deer show up to that feeder that night. My thoughts on it is it's not the dog. You know, I don't think the dog's no, going to, I don't, dog I don't dog. think it's the dog. Well, what, what I'm, you know, it, I think the human presence would be more than the, the dog presence. You oh, know, if, if, right. if, if, there, if something was going to affect it, it would be us. It wouldn't be the dog. Um, right, the other right. night Dogs we cut live outside all the time. Yeah, I mean, so, the other night we cut loose on a uh, pond dam. Shine down there. There's a doe. She gets up, and runs off. We're sitting there saying, "Hey, we're going to see what these dogs are made of. They're either going to run a deer or they're going to go on." Cut the dogs loose. They run. And uh, my buddy looks at me. He said, "That dog just crossed." I said, "Dude, that was a deer bedded down. It just crossed." The dogs run. The deer crosses right behind them. Dogs keep on going, go about 400 yards, tree coon. No issue. Mm. But if we hadn't shined our lights down there, I don't know if those deer would have ever got up. 
and may not have. It's kind of like is right place, right time. You got to be there to witness some of these studies. Some of these studies, man. I I just I can't agree. It's kind of like I, I I disagree to agree. You know? Yeah. With some of these studies, because it it all depends on the area that they're in. Like Mike Chamberlain, he, hey, he's one of the best guys in the world, no mm-hmm. doubt. But at the same time, you know, for average Joe's average Joe guys like ourselves, is he really in an area like we hunt, or is he really in an area like Primos hunts or yeah. somebody like that hunts? You know, like that's the only that's the only bad thing I have with statistics. Yeah, I mean, how much research? Because is- I, I get to right. It, I mean, like, I try to research as much as I possibly can on things I want to know about, but is that research really true at the end of the day? Like, is that guy really out for the working man, a blue-collar guy, or is he out for, because he's a big-name guy, is he out for the mossy old guy, the real tree guy, or the TV producers, or, you know, stuff like that? Not knocking him, I just want to get a good statistic on the area he's in. Now, if he said he went to the, yeah, like if he yeah. said he went to the home of Chiller National Forest, now you talking my game, you know? Yeah, and you know, deer, and this is a proven fact: deer aren't gonna run away from something that they don't feel is a threat. They know what's a threat. You know, that farmer that's right. going around yeah. in that side by side ain't gonna scare those deer off. No, but that guy sitting up in that deer stand is, you know what I mean? That deer knows. And that's, that's a proven fact. I mean, Oh, you, you correct about that. Why would it leave its bedding area to, to run when that's its safety, you know? And so I get both sides of it and I don't know if it affects it or not. There's this study that was done was done in 19, 1998 and they were using radio collars now, right. you know, Mississippi State uses GPS collars for all their stuff, which is a lot more mm-hmm. accurate. I would love to get Mississippi mm-hmm. State to do this study again because I believe it would be it would yeah. be a lot better. It really would, you it know. Really would because it's it's now time. You know, it's like now. Ricky, I want you to tell a story that qualifies you as a coon hunter. The <laughs> <laughs> story that qualifies me as a coon hunter. Yes, sir. You want a pleasure hunting story or a competition story or both? I want a good one. One of them good ones. Them good ones. <laughs> I want a good one. Good one. I am, son. All right. You sure you want me to tell this? About the divorce? <laughs> All right. I I got I to gotta give you two. I'll try to make them short. How about that? All right. So years ago, I, I had two hunting buddies that were from Washington Parish, and one of them hunted. He was a hardcore blue tick man. He had a, a blue dog that I think on the bottom side, she went back to some of Mr. Jack Smith's dogs, but he also had a male blue dog. I can't remember what he was out of, but he, he had a brother and his brother hunt. He liked Walker dogs, but he never, never could find a good dog. Like every dog he bought slick treat. So the guy with the blue, blue dogs, his name was Paul and his brother was a Jack. So one night we get ready to go hunting and Jack shows up with his Walker dog. Now, this dog don't have papers. He don't know anything about the dog. All he knows is he bought him from a man and said he was a coon dog. Well, the first night we turn him loose, I mean, this sucker goes in there 
200 yards and falls treed right out the truck. We go in there, look at a coon. I'm like, dang, man, that's a good dog. <laughs> so we turn him loose again. He goes, you know, four or 500 yards, trees another coon. I'm like, dude, how much you pay for this dog? He's like, man, you ain't gonna believe it. He said, I paid $400 for this dog. I said, well, you stole it. So we turn him loose the third time. He goes in there, six, 700 yards, trees in a big old tree. You know, coon was probably there, but we couldn't find him. So I get to looking, like under the tree, there's blood all on the ground under the, you know, on the, like right where the dog's been treated. I'm like looking at the dog. I'm like, man, what the heck? And he cut himself on something, you know, I couldn't find nothing on him. I said, dude, there's blood all over right here. I said, I don't know if the coon went up, was bleeding right here or what. So we go to the next night, turn him loose, same thing. He goes down in there, treat the coon, get to the tree, blood all over the ground again. I'm like, dude, your dog is bleeding somewhere. So. We turn him loose again. He goes down there, makes another tree. Well, when we get to that second tree on the second night, oh, what this dog was doing. This dog was treeing so hard. <laughs> and you can edit this out if you want to. But that dog was slapping his <laughs> on this tree <laughs> all the he could when he was treeing. It's where he was bleeding every time he treated him. <laughs> so look here's the funny part paul looked at jack i said paul you see what the dog's doing he said yeah i see you do it he said like this he said hey jack he said what paul he said you know what you got there he said what he said a f- tree dog <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good yeah. That's pretty fucked. Yeah. Hey, what? Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. that's pretty oh, good man. right there, Ricky. I ain't even gonna, that's gonna be, I'm gonna add it some of an out. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Just put one of them sound effects in there. Yeah. Beep. Okay, so we'll get, we'll get back. That was a good story, Ricky. So, we'll get back and talk about Yeah, I think that qualifies you there. About us. <laughs> so. Oh, he's going to have a lot of editing in this one. Oh, yeah. It'd be all right. So, why do y'all believe is the reason that deer and turkey hunters really have such a bad taste in their mouth towards coon hunters? You know, what's the main reason from your perspective? Now, maybe for y'all because y'all coon hunt so much, but. From my perspective, I don't have a bad taste in my mouth at all for y'all. Yeah. And I wish more people like y'all would would branch out a little bit, like for these management areas, private properties, depending on the time, though. That's the only thing I would have. If I was to say anything, depending on the time, not during deer season or turkey season, if you can, like I say, draw you up some type of uh, waiver you know, to eliminate any type of legal action and coon hunting, you know? Because I think if you have some legal documentation, it'd be a lot easier for you to go a lot more places. That's the way I look at it. And I may be wrong, but if it was me. I think a a big part of the divide is, is misinformation. You know, people being misinformed, you know, thinking that, any kind of dog that sets foot on their property is going to run all the deer off. And, you know, they're, at, at one point in time, they may have run across that one coon hunter that just didn't care and treated everybody's property like it was his, hunted deer in turkey season and, you know, right in the middle of the deer rut and all that kind of stuff. But I think 
that's really where the where the divide comes in is people not being informed and people not treating each other like they need to you know uh, i do think that i don't think i know for a fact because i used to coon hunt that you can seriously hinder somebody's turkey killing abilities by coon hunting their property during turkey season but at the same time if you coon hunt that same property when it's not turkey season and kill a pile of coons you helping the hens raise poults and i think that's something that a lot of people that own property for deer and turkey hunting do not understand about you know coon hunting but i think i think another part of the thing is the landowners need to understand or they need to realize that people are actually killing the coons on the places because a lot of coon hunters don't shoot coons out. Right. And I think if they would, and you know, if somebody lets you go hunt their property and you tree four coons, you ought to at least kill three of them and send the landowner a picture and say, look, we got three of them. Yeah. You know, you they want to see what you do and they don't want to just mm-hmm. let, yes, you, let you run through there with your dogs all night just to have fun. Yep. So that's my take on it. And Ricky, you just brought up, <laughs> you know, because you're a coon hunter, you know that. You know that coon hunters don't really kill too many coons because there ain't a whole lot you can do with the coon. You know? Right. What you going to do with it? That's not part. The coon is a means to an end. Now, I will right. agree. If somebody says, hey, look, Tyler, I got this cornfield over here. I want you to come kill all these coons. I'm going to kill them. You know? Right. Whether I hate, but I hate killing coons because I hate killing anything. I don't have, you know, I ain't got no reason for it. You know, I don't. But right. if I'm right. on, on public land, I'm probably not going to shoot that coon out. But at my hunting club, I shoot coon out to maintain my turkey population. Right, right. Chance, but, Chance got something to say about this. What was you going to say, oh, Chance? Okay. Well, I mean, a lot of, like you said, a lot of you comp hunters and stuff like that, you know, they, they're scared. If I shoot too many coons out, my dog's going to start going back to trees. It's not going to recast good. It, you know, I mean, there, there's a lot of issues with it and what a lot of right. people think. A lot of people that train puppies wouldn't be so against that and that's why i don't like to shoot them out much but you're and you brought up i was hoping nobody would bring that point up ricky to be honest with <laughs> yeah. you because yeah, I, I i could feel i i, I could see the tension right now because uh i'm thinking like as a coon hunter i mean i know look i know a couple coon hunters they do the same thing same thing like y'all saying they go treat a coon they don't kill right yep. but as a deer hunter we want you to kill every coon you tree. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. telling you, yeah. you know, same thing like y'all saying is like on my lease, I'm going to kill every coon, right? Yeah. But when I'm on somebody else's property, I just want my dogs to tree. Yeah. So I think there's so many places y'all can go to, though, to like leases and stuff like that and actually treeing killer coons or multiple coons. Because not every time you tree a coon, you're going to kill it. Right. Well, not every tree but, got a coon in it, neither. <laughs> I right, can probably right, see that right, right. now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know. But what I'm saying, you know, as me looking in, and, like, if you were going on a place that you knew had coons and you didn't have to kill them, yeah, I probably wouldn't kill them on that one, you know? I would just let the dogs tree and get some get some practice in. But if I was on private land, if I went to a private land owner or a lease owner, I would have to kill every coon I treat. Not saying every coon because you could probably skip a few here and there, you know. <laughs> but what I'm saying is you would have to show the owner or the lease owner that you actually doing something. Yeah, you're actually taking coons off of the property. 
just which brings me back to the deer feeders and all that, you know. And plus the turkey population, because like y'all said, I I think the coon hunters and landowners, deer hunters, turkey hunters, I think everybody knows this, but I think coon hunters, just for whatever reason, it's hard for them to make themselves act on it. 99% of the timberland in the South is completely overrun and overpopulated with coons nowadays. Nobody traps anymore. Very few people trap. You can't make money. Very few people coon hunt, and the people that do coon hunt don't shoot a lot of coons sometimes. So I don't, when I coon hunted and trapped, I, I would, if you want to, you can find people that will eat those coons. Oh, yeah. You know, take a little work. Coon Hunting University is brought to you by Superior Light Company. Use coupon code CHU Podcast at checkout at nighthunters.com. If you're in the market for a new light, do not overlook Superior. They make the best light in the business. The Hellcat Max Flat Dark Earth Edition is awesome. Comes standard with the new and improved high intensity green laser. Comes standard with the newest design and dual walking light modules, offering the brightest walking lights currently available on the market, bar none. And it comes with your choice of red or true amber or double red color module technology. The Hellcat Max new module design reduces weight without sacrificing burn time or brightness, resulting in an overall weight of just 20 to 24 ounces, depending on your cap selection. The Hellcat Max offers the newest battery technology, which allows for five hours of continuous main beam burn time on the highest setting and over 10 hours of highest auxiliary light settings. All controls can be found on one easy nine positions click switch. And all superior lights come with a two-year warranty are made right here in the USA. So check out superior lights. Use coupon code CHU podcast at checkout at nighthunters.com. Thank you to Mr. Jamie, Mr. Sam at Superior Lights for supporting Coonan Universe Podcast and making this podcast possible. So I ask all the listeners, if you could, please go over there and support Superior Lights. Use the exclusive discount code that is only available to Coonhunt University podcast listeners, CHU Podcast. Superior, step up to the max. Now, back to the show. Me and Chance sitting here, we don't have a problem finding somewhere to hunt, whether we got to go up to a deer hunter or not. So this podcast right. really isn't about us because we got plenty of land to hunt that ain't, might not be the best right. land, but that deer lease ain't going to be, it's going to be the same property, you know? Right, this yeah. is more for the guys around maybe your area where there's not right. as much public land. You know, we have plenty of access, yeah. plenty of hunt. Well, let's be honest. We're fortunate. But another thing, you know, when you're talking about it is we, we all have common ground as outdoors. Yeah. But, but houndsmen, we're kind of the gatekeepers. We're who they're going to go after first. You know, yeah. oh, we're yeah. the smallest Especially group. Especially dog runs. Yeah. yeah. So I guess more, it's maybe not as much about us going hunting on your property as it is about creating a coalition. You know, maybe that's that's more of what, what I'm trying to do here is bridge that gap, you know, because I guess coon hunters kind of feel left out of the whole outdoor world. There's not mossy oak getting selling coon hunting camouflage. You know what yeah. I mean? It's not mainstream, you know, and, and it probably is dying. It's it's not dying in the sense of it's it's growing in one sense and it's dying in the another. It's kind of weird. I don't think it's dying in the south. Well, well it's, it's bigger not, it, up north, really. It has, you know. But, but I think some people around the south keep it 
Well, I mean, you know, it, just a few people that do have a Kundo. Well, it, it, I don't think that it's. I it think, never die. I can tell you that right now. Unless they kill it. Well, that's, that's you know what I mean. And that's the, bring, yeah. That's, and we're Kinda the like gatekeepers dogs, you know, to like that. Yeah, yeah. We're right. the gatekeepers to that because we're who they're going to go out to first. And, you know, it's just like gun rights. They start chipping away at them, chipping away. All right, we're just going to take this. You know, we're going to take your bump stock. Oh, well, we want to take that. You know, you can't have a 90-degree grip on an AR pistol. We're just going to take that from you. Well, we're just going to take that whole – you know, that's what they'll start doing. That's what people need to realize, that houndsmen are the gatekeepers to that because we're the ones that they're going to come after first. We're the smallest group. We're easy. People don't support – you know, hunting support in the United States is actually at an all-time high right now. You know, I read a a statistic the other day that it was like – 80% 80% of people in this supported hunting, which is crazy. It blew my mind when I read that. But if you think about it, Democrats hunt, Republicans hunt. You know, it's not. Right. But when it comes to hound, hunting with dogs, man, it dropped about 47% of those same people supported. Perspective. So yeah. it's, we're the ones that are going to come it's out all first. perspective. It is. You know. They assume. Yeah. But. That's just like when they're eating them all. Uh, Wagyu beef comes from a cow. Yeah, it's <laughs> you know all from I mean? cow. Yeah. When you said that, when you eating that filet mignon, don't kill the cows, huh? But and, and I, I, just, I, I don't understand. But I understand what you're saying. But man, it's but, never mind. And you know, and I don't think that it. I think it's more of a bridge that gap. From your perspective, how do we make coon hunting more mainstream? What do we need to do? to make it more mainstream on the outside looking in. I, I can tell you one thing from my perspective. I think the people that are hardcore coon hunters and want to keep it alive and want to, and want to make it more stream. I think they need to use the tools that are available that the deer hunting world and the turkey hunting world use, which is social media, YouTube, Facebook, anything you can use. Every time you go coon hunting, have a video camera with you. Show all the good things about it. Show right. how much fun it is. You know, show people high-fiving when they're dog trees or just every part of it that makes it the great sport that it is. Because it is a great sport. Right. But And people don't know what it is because it's not it's not on the outdoor channel every night. Nah. You know, it's not all over YouTube and Facebook. And I mean, I think there's a lot of... I think YouTube is success for it. Yeah. Because TV is dying out. Yeah, YouTube is definitely the way to go to push something. Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know if y'all have seen it. A lot of these bigger comp hunts now are live streamed on Facebook. Yeah, I just got into that. Yeah, Backwoods Heritage and stuff like PKC World. UKC does their own thing on YouTube. So it, they're they're getting with the game. I mean, it, it's getting with the game. I mean, it, it's right getting right. more publicity, getting more out there for people but i I do think coon hunting to a certain degree and this is across the board holds a special place in everybody's heart because it does i don't know why it is i I think you could probably say where the red fern grows are attributed that to that greatly you know yeah but i had a friend tell me one time he said everybody has a soft spot for a coon hunter for some reason. I don't know why. I don't know why it is, but it, it's, you know, that's on our side. Well, right. to Chance's point, what did you bring up, Dustin? You you started, you, when you start talking about coon hunting, you almost talked about it in a romantic way. 
you know, you almost. I wouldn't go that far, but, but you. But there's different <laughs> meanings. That, that, and but, that, there's different meanings for romanticize about yeah, something. You, you did. I don't know as much as y'all know, but I know the time that I had, I had a blast. Yeah. See, and I, I met a and guy. It was limited though. Yeah. It was limited. Yeah, and I met a guy last night at the gas station. You know, I was talking on the phone. See, I'm about to go cut these dogs loose. That dude said, well, what you cutting loose? So I'm cutting coon dogs loose. He said, man, I used to coon hunt so much back in the day. He said, man, I miss it. You know, and it's just, I think everybody used right. to coon. It seems like everybody in the South, especially in the country. Yeah, oh, yeah, I used to coon hunt back in the day. You know, we what whether it was coon hunting or not, you know, they were they were riding around drinking beer, turning dog loose. You know what I mean? On the back road. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's. But then to your point, even you, Ricky, you know, you've been out the game for a little bit, so it's probably changed so yeah. much. Did y'all even have GPS tracking systems? No. 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 Did you, you go to the dogs, huh? So you, you didn't have, you know, GPS tracking systems that allow you to keep that dog right. where you want it. You know, people don't realize how technologically advanced a coon hunting is now. If we're going to be able to evolve, we're going to have to have someone that can step up to, to do that. Yeah. You well, know? what you got to think yeah. about, speak too, out. is... You need somebody to speak out. You know, the, the younger generation that's taking this over, how many of those are willing to step up to do it? Not many. That's the issue. It's not nah. that they don't want to. It's not that they don't want to. But this older generation, I mean, their their mindset ain't on Facebook. It ain't on, you know, Twitter. It ain't on any of this stuff. You know, it's right. about, you know, advertising in a magazine. That's it. That's all we got to do. One of the highest. You don't ranked. hardly have newspapers no more. Dude, no. you got newspapers. I didn't even know we had newspapers no well, more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't hardly. I mean, we still do, but we, we don't at the same time down here. Yeah. Ricky, did it's you kind of like you got to get on a form or a page to figure out, you know, what, you do. what somebody's doing. You do. If somebody that's coon hunting or I feel like, like to me, I haven't heard about coon hunting since I talked to Ricky. And like I said, that's been 25 years ago, you know, and until he said he talked to you or, I mean, me and you talked before, but we never hear about coon hunters. Now, do I know some? Yeah. But they never put their stuff on social media. They might put their dog tree in, but they don't show how many coons they kill, you know? Well, and I'll tell you that. Uh, uh, that's a double-edged sword. Social media is too, because right now, like you said, it is coon hunters it are is. out of sight, out of mind. Right. Right. So if we remain that way, nobody can attack you. But your sport's never right. going to grow. No, I'm with you on that. Right. So it is almost a double-edged sword. But And if it's used in the correct manner, if you can't put a dog over fighting a coon on your Facebook page. People don't like it. Oh, no. That's, you know? that's, that's kind of why we stay away from Facebook most of the time with our podcast. If I put something on Facebook, it's limited. Yeah, I agree. I know what you're saying. I mean, I put a lot of stuff on Facebook yep. for the page. I don't put anything on my if personal I was page. If I was y'all, I'd be trying to grow my Instagram page and YouTube Listen. is a little more free. Like they you, are, you get yeah. away with a lot more on YouTube than you can on Facebook. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. Yeah, I agree. And and there is some big YouTube and, and guys out there that can hunt, but man, don't I, get me wrong, man. Bull hunters, lean. I don't know if y'all know this, and you can look it up. Bull hunters are on Instagram, then there is Facebook posting wise because it's a little more lenient. So we kind of touched on this earlier. You own this property right here. I think this is a good topic to bring up. You know, Dust, you said something earlier about making somebody sign a waiver or bringing a waiver to the landlord. I think that's a good idea. I don't know if I've ever even heard anybody say that. 
But no, uh, I've never right. heard anybody mention uh, it. And that's really good. So, I mean, you got to go sign a waiver to bring a guest on warehousing property, you know? So, I mean. Right. But how would you want someone to approach you to coon hunt on your property? And what would you expect out of that person? You know, you two. Because I want to I wanna make it kind of clear for me. This is not for everybody else. If somebody was to approach me to ask me, could they go coon hunting on my property? That will depend on what time of year it is. <laughs> There's only two types of seasons I really hunt in. That's turkey season and deer season. And I'm not a big-time turkey hunter, but I bring a lot of kids turkey hunting, and I want them to succeed at, you know, killing a turkey. But if you catch me out of season from any one of those seasons, just come to me and say, look, sir, look, bring me bring me a paper with a waiver. Kind of, you know, it ain't got to be to the T. But I think the waiver, because I know some guys that do this, not coon hunters, but deer hunters, right, that everything I do is not a liability to your property. I won't leave no trash. I won't tear the roads up, blah, 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 you know, et cetera, just common sense type stuff. If you was to bring me a waiver, I think if you show me a piece of paper, say, look, do you mind me going coon hunting? As a, you know, like back in the day as a kid, fishing, like we talked about earlier, fishing in a pond. You used to go fishing in a pond back in the day, but it's not that way nowadays. And so with that waiver, it gives the person that owns the property a little more leniency yeah. to the people that's trying to go on to it. Yeah, they feel a little bit safer. Yeah, they feel more comfortable. They feel like they're not going to get sued if something ha- – oh, you jumping a- – oh, you crossing a creek to go over there to find the dog that treed the coon, right? Stepping a creek, you know, nine times out of ten, instead of being two foot deep, it's ten foot deep, <laughs> you know? Or it might be you thinking it's ten foot deep and it's two foot deep and you break your ankle, you know? They – the person that owns the property don't they don't need to be liable for any circumstances. Yeah. You know? That's the way I feel about it. And I know some guys that got some pretty good waivers, uh, and they hunt within the you know, the city limits deer hunting wise. And so they get more property than you can imagine with just a waiver. Because the person that's signing the waiver they're signing their property saying, you know, I'm bringing the paper to them. And it's saying that they're not liable for anything that happens. And once they read it, that lets you get some, uh, like, free ability, you know. It's kind of like it's your own property. You're kind of doing what you want to do. As long as you don't tear the property up, don't rut it up. Not saying you can't take a side-to-side in there or four-wheeler. Trash and stuff like that. It helps you get more properties to hunt, you know, and listen, once that person signs that liability, guess what he's going to do? He's going to say, man, these coon hunters came over here the other night and they bought me a piece of paper and they wanted to know if they, if they can coon hunt, word of mouth is the best thing in the world, right? So he might tell his neighbor, man, y'all ought to let him go over there and kill some of them coons y'all got on y'all's place. But you're going to have to show them that y'all are really killing some coons. You know, <laughs> so so don't th- skip that out. So Ricky, before I get to you, I want to ask us another Not question. You got to kill every coon, but at least show them you're killing some coon. So Dustin, all right, I'm gonna reverse it on you. Let's say I'm hunting. Come on, I'm hunting on property that butts up to yours. 
My dog's treat right. on yours. How would you want me to approach that situation? You know, because there's been a bunch of controversy about that. Coon hunters do have the right to retrieve, just like you were talking about in Missouri, what happened with you. You know, dogs don't know property lines, and you shouldn't hunt close to people. We're not going to get into that, though. You shouldn't hunt close to people's property. But, you know, dogs don't know property lines, right? Even with GPS collars, they do get out of pocket sometimes. How would you want that person to approach you? That's a totally different animal right there. Let's say it's middle of deer season. It is, but I've been in the situation already. I got a buddy of mine that owns 15, well, he don't own it, but warehouse owns 15,000 acres. He has the largest deer hunting lease in the state of Louisiana. We actually dropped a pack of dogs on a 500-acre piece, and three of the dogs went across the property line on a private lease, right? The guy from the private lease called and said, look, we got three of your dogs. 500 acres is humongous. You know what I'm saying? He called the the guy that was across the property line that had the private lease called my buddy, which is the president over the hunting club. And they all running GPS. They got screens and everything in their trucks and they watching dogs and they know when the deer is going to cross stuff like that. Not every dog, just like you're saying, not every dog can you hold back, you know, because the collar is going to get out of range sooner or later. So this is where it gets technical. The guy that owns the land next to the 15,000-acre hunt lease, he should understand that the people with 15,000 acres can only do so much to keep their dogs off his property. If they come on his property one time, that's fine. I wouldn't have nothing to say about it. But if they come on my property about five to ten times, then we got an issue. But one to five times? Look, man, look, your dog's over here in my food plot because I'll be hoping for the best when the dog comes through. <laughs> yeah. you know? But I, I, w- I couldn't get I couldn't get so mad. I really couldn't because you can only do so much with I mean with a collar. And they work tremendously well and you know where they're at. And you can ask Ricky, uh my buddy Chris like their place, they got T V screens in their truck, looks like a laptop computer. So they're watching their dogs as they're running, you know, like, and he's like, man, he's, he's going to old boy's place. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and he's like, I, I, I'm i going to get a phone call in a few minutes. 30 minutes later, here comes a phone call. But if it was me, I can be lenient for five times, you know? Well, well, and deer dog hunting's but, a lot different than coon hunting. Cause you don't really a lot have a different means, than coon means to an end. A lot end. different than coon hunting. You, I mean, yeah, deer dogs are running. They's going to go. They're nonstop. Uh, coon hunting dogs are treeing. Yeah. That's the difference. But if they get on your but property, guess what? But if they were to what? run on my property, hey, I'm okay with it. Because guess what? Coon hunters hunt at night. But I'm not deer hunting at night. Would you want that person to come approach you, or would you rather that person just go on ahead and go over there and get his dog? You know, I guess that's what I'm saying. How would you want somebody to handle that situation? Would you want them to go get okay, you out so- of bed, or just go on ahead and get your dog get on out of there? Okay, so I had to do this before. So not sure if everybody has on X, right? Yep. To somebody that's listening. But I can guarantee you, if you look the property owner up and give him a call and say, look, man, my coon dog's trees over here, I think being down south and you're coon hunting, you should be A-OK. I promise you, even if you were on my property. Yeah. And I don't care if it's one one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, or when. 
I respect you more about calling me than to just go get your dog. Yeah. That's just me, though. Even though there is laws to protect it, I I agree with you. I think that's the best thing to do. You know, it is. You have the right to retrieve your dog. You you go retrieve your dog on anybody's property without asking them, but it's the respect part. It is. Because. You might talk to this guy. He might say, man, I wish you would come over and kill some of these damn coons, yeah. too. Yeah, you know, you might gain you a place to hunt. So, and right. Ricky. Right. So, we'll go to Ricky uh-huh. now. I'm sorry for kind of – I just want to throw that question in there because I think that was kind of a different perspective of it. And, Dustin, you did a great job with it. So, Ricky, being that you're a coon hunter, how would you like someone to approach you? You mean if, if, somebody, if somebody's dogs get on my plate? No, just how do you think – you know, Dustin brought up a good Are you point. About, about the way about somebody – wanting to gain permission to hunt yeah i think for me personally which i'm probably a lot different than a lot of people because i know how coon hunting works but me personally you know if somebody wanted to come coon hunt my place right now knowing that i got 20 coons at deer feeders every night i would be like look (laughs) you can come hunt but i want to see you kill some coons you know i mean it and that's that's kind of a sore subject in the coon hunting circle, but like I said earlier, there's an overabundance of coons in the South. There just is. You know, anybody that tries to say there's not, that they're not looking, or they don't know anybody that runs deer cameras. Right. <laughs> cameras are the key. Kind of like what Dustin said, you approach a landowner, say, look, I'm willing to sign a waiver. You know, I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to stay on this property to hunt. I'm not going to try to cause your neighbors any problems. My dog gets somewhere else. I'll call whoever I got to call. Go get him out of there. You know, I'm not going to use your place to go hunt somebody else's place that I don't have permission on. Like common courtesy, like Dustin said. It gets you a lot further, I think. I think it'll help you out in the long run. I don't have this problem because I don't really hunt anywhere that butts up to anybody's private property. So, right. But if I did and I was hunting a would smaller you- block of land, I would probably go on ahead and go to that landowner ahead of time. The, yeah. the the one I mean, on you could do that that'd yeah. probably be better and say than, yeah you know than saying my dogs are on your property at three you o'clock know? in the morning can you I, could just say yeah can yeah. i go can i go retrieve them yeah, yeah. well that's a double-edged sword because i mean if you approach somebody and say hey my dog may get over there well first thing that's gonna pop in his head is hey he's planning on hunting my property yeah well that's true right. too you're right you're right that's yeah. true you're exactly right so i mean it, hey, it's I got- <laughs> But coon hunting is a little different, huh, Ricky? Wouldn't you yeah. say? Yeah. Now, if I said I wanted to go rabbit hunting because that's during the day or, you know, pheasant hunting, blah, 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 whatever hunting I want to do during the daylight, that would be different. Now, if he was a hunter, he might look at it a different way, you know, as far as deer hunting-wise, during deer season. But he might look at it a different way, too, and say, man, y'all, man you can hunt my property all you want to. He might say, my neighbor might not be, you know, as lenient as I am, but have a good time. Just, you know, make sure you clean your mess up. You might not even have to give him a waiver, you know. He might just invite you on his own. And invite him hunting with you. He might have coon hunt as a kid. Yeah, them them old cats, they love sitting in the truck hitting them dogs. Yeah. I got to tell one little short story about retrieving a dog. Tell (laughs) it. Since we're talking about that, so. My same group of buddies that had that that dog that liked the tree so much. <laughs> they, uh, he had a <laughs> yeah, he had a young dog. He had a young dog that we was fooling with one time, and the dog would always run with the coon dog, but she never would treat. 
like when the dogs would tree, she'd just come back to you. Like she didn't have much interest in treating. So we turned all the dogs loose one night and, you know, the good trained dogs, they would peel it off to the right and treat a coon a couple hundred yards from the truck. And his young dog, she, she's missing and we can't find her. So we shine the coon, go back to the truck and track her. And she's like three miles back to the east. So we get over there close to where she's at and it's down this dead end gravel road. And I stepped out the truck. I said, Paul, that dog is locked down tree. son. I said, she sounds like she's down in a creek or something, but she is tree. So he's like, man, she finally done tree one. So we, it's like, by this time, it's like two o'clock in the morning and we ease down this dead end gravel road and I can see a light back there. I said, dude, there's a house back there. And she's right behind that house. And I mean, she just spitting it out tree. We pulled over a couple hundred yards from the house and I'm like, man, we probably ought to just leave and I hope that she leaves and try to find her in the morning, you know? So my buddy eases up there with his light off. That dog was up underneath them people's house, tree in a house cat <laughs> at three o'clock in the morning. And I'm talking about, she's rattling the windows. The house is off the ground. You know? <laughs> and how in the world them people didn't come outside, I will never know. But he slipped in there, crawled under them people's house, grabbed that dog, drug her out, and came back to the truck with her. <laughs> you know, you talk, I'll tell you. All right, so we've done about shine this tree, but before we get off here, you know, I've had a great time. I, so I'm going to drive this point home. I'm going to let Chance do it because he's a lot, lot more in touch with what happens with the youth programs and everything with coon hunting. I know me and Dustin talked about this beforehand. So if you care anything about introducing the next generation to the outdoors, as I would say that we all do, can I agree on that? Oh yeah. Okay. Well y'all care about them growing up and growing up in the outdoors. And if you care sure. about that, you should be 100% in support of coon hunting. And I'm going to let, chance explain why this is what i feel about it it don't matter if we do anything for the youth or not you should anybody should support coon hunting and just like me i should support you guys we're hunters period don't matter you know however we do it what we chase whatever we have to support one another if they attack one of us they attack all of us that's the way it's got to be but in coon hunting the registries do do an excellent job and I don't know of anything else that that's a hound sport or a outdoors type event or, or anything like that, that does as much for youth as coon hunting does. Um, the different registries offer up thousands of dollars in grants. I mean, in scholarships every year for, um, you know, placing your dog. And I know PKC gives out it's several thousand dollars for uh scholarships ukc gives out several thousand dollars in scholarships there's youth events all over this country the youth world i don't even know what there's just things all over for youth that's what makes us a little bit different i guess you could say it'd be kind of hard to do anything with deer hunting or turkey hunting or anything like that but i mean this is competition I, I'll, I'll go on ahead and piggyback off that so you know you don't have youth deer hunts you know, yeah, certain clubs might have them, but youth coon hunts, anybody can come up there. Ricky, I invite you, Dustin, I invite y'all to bring y'all's kid to the youth hunt. They got the Mississippi UKC State Youth Hunt. It's going to be held on December 4th. 
you know, and, and in those youth hunts, kids get exposed to the outdoors, you know, and, and they have fun days right. for them and it makes it fun for them. And, you know, like Chance said, they give them scholarships. How many other outdoors events can a kid go and win a scholarship to go to school? Or can a kid just go yeah. and win a thousand dollars? That's one thing that, that I wanted to kind of drive home was what coon hunting does for the youth and all the stuff so small and do so much yeah and that's what i'm saying and i know it's hard to do that with other things but youth the youth programs within coon hunting are outstanding they really are they go above and beyond can't say enough about them and i wish i had mr eddie simmons here yes to to, to articulate it that would be the the person to have on to to talk about the youth program he's so passionate about but it, it just it's it amazes me well coon hunters in general it's not even youth uh and i want to say parsons tennessee i might be wrong you might uh they have a big ukc hunt up there well guess what they do every year they donate to st jude's and this has been going on for years it's well over a million dollars that they have donated other hunting organizations can't really do that i mean uh, other you know deer hunters you know they might turkey hunters well you might donate to the National Wild Turkey Federation or your state federation or or whatever, but not necessarily. Yeah, it's not to the foundation. Yeah. It's not to the foundation of St. Jude. You yeah. Know, it's going directly to the NWTF or, you know, National Deer Association too, or the QDMA or yeah. stuff like that. And people are always going to doubt whether they're doing anything in their area or any. You kind of get caught up in, you know, pretty much we all think the same. Even though we we are two, we are all the same hunters because we deer hunt, turkey hunt, blah blah blah, coon hunt, or did in the past. We're all hunters at the end of the day. To get any youth involved in anything, it's a good thing. It's a it's a great thing. One hundred percent. And like I say, I'm thirty five years old. I don't know how old y'all are, but just me, I noticed so much i mean y'all probably live more in the country than we do and we actually live in some pretty good country but life is so fast paced nowadays and people don't have time for the kids or there's divorce rates are so high you know with marriage and either the mom has a kid or the dad has a kid it ain't like it used to be you know when you was with your grandma and grandpa and your dad and mom where everybody kind of stayed together, stayed your cousins, you grew up with them. It's not like that nowadays. Not that I see. It, it may be different for y'all. No, it's a, that's a nationwide thing. Oh. One thing that I've noticed, you know, even though I've been out of the coon hunting game, I've, I've kept up with it enough to see and realize that one thing has, has remained constant with all the associations, whether it's PKC, UKC, whatever, do a lot of hunts for the youth. You know, right. And there's always been an emphasis on the youth. And that's one thing that I can commend all those associations on. You know, that's something that they've never lost. And I, I think that's a great thing. Kind of reminds you of uh, Dwayne. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the person that won the PKC Youth World Championship this year, he earned $6,000 in scholarships. The second place got $3,500 in scholarships and cash. Third place got $2,000 in cash and scholarships. And then fourth place got $1,500 in cash and scholarships. That was just for Youth World. Now, other. That's awesome. Yeah. And I mean, that is. You also got uh, a couple different amounts for the yearly leaders 
I think like first right. and second place get four thousand, two thousand, something like that. Yeah, and so that's crazy. The youth to be so small do so much. The the PKC Youth World Championship paid out twenty two thousand seven hundred dollars in prizes. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's impressive, you know, and I know it really is. Even the local club down here at Red Creek, y'all probably pay out five thousand. You know, by the time you give all the prizes to the kids, I have no earthly idea what we pay out. To be yeah. honest with you, and we um, you know, each cast winner gets a hundred dollars. If kid wins their cast, they get a hundred dollars, and that hundred dollars, what it does is automatically qualify them for the youth world, so they can go right straight to the youth world. They don't have to worry about, you know, qualifying or, you know, running these hunts or anything like that. We give out grab bags. We, I mean, we have treeing contests, drag race, bench shows, um, squalling contests. And each one of those events gets a pretty good prize for it. We right. give away dog boxes. I mean, we, we try to, try to make like it. like that ain't cheap. No. 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 And no. what, what you got to think about this is. We get support from our kennel clubs, but it's, what it is, it's a lot of guys from around here doing this. I right. mean, it, that's who's forking over that money to get this and giving their time and energy and effort to make all this go on. And and like I said oh, yeah. earlier, you can't really do that in anything else. You know, maybe in the competition squirrel, you could possibly do it. But as far as deer hunting, turkey hunting, all you can do is get a youth involved. You, you yeah, know, there, there might not be. Them along with you. Yep. Try to teach them as you go. Yeah. And there shouldn't have to be an incentive for kids to get out into the country. No, it shouldn't. But it helps. Yeah, I'm with you on that. You know, it does. It does help. Right. Because nowadays, kids, man, they give out so many trophies nowadays that kids never really learn how to earn, you know, reap what they sow, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like when we were kids, we were fighting for one trophy. Now they fighting. <laughs> They fight for a ring nowadays. Yeah, they, didn't yeah. even, they didn't even have that back then. No. And and I that was one point that I kind of wanted. Don't get me wrong. There's kids that really work hard, and there's kids that are mediocre, and then there's kids that are trying to learn but don't have the athletic, you know, as far as, like, there's some kids that just actually flat out don't want to hunt, you know? All right. So I do appreciate having y'all on here, coming on, and anybody that, you know, listen to this, they need to go check out Between the Times podcast. It's awesome. I really enjoyed it. Ricky talks like we do, and Dustin talks like a coon ass. (laughs) 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 But, hey, it's all good. Hey, they cut up. When I tell you, people that listen to this probably like, dang, they're actually cutting up on the Coon Hunt University. It's always serious on there. We, We had a good time. We had some great discussion. Really did. Is there anything else y'all would like to add before we sign off? Yeah, you want to guess what that dog's name was I told the first story about? Peckerhead. <laughs> <laughs> you close. His name was Peter. <laughs> Peter Tyler, huh? Yeah, that's pretty good. Oh, man. I just want to say this before we get off of here. I'm, I'm glad you invited us on here. Something a little different. Curveball for us. Uh, glad to be a part of the coon hunting university. The guys ain't that far from us. So uh, maybe we can go over there or they can come over here. Yeah. We need definitely uh, to do it again. Yeah. Get together. We we are actually about to build a studio uh, awesome. here shortly. So, uh, and we got room and board. 
I think I think it all go hand in hand. We can all cut up. It's just like hunting camp. Yeah. So you, well, you gotta I would, watch us. We we will draw some cutting up out of out of people. I <laughs> see that. I hear you. I hear you. But I I'd like to invite y'all to our youth hunt. It'll be here in Wiggins, uh, March fourth and fifth. And um, that please side. text me and remind me that we'll bring our podcast system. We'll get together. Yeah. Oh, uh, y'all can use y'all. Well, that'd be great. If y'all want to do something like that and record it. So, so this is what we are looking for, right? We are going to Bear Creek Hunting Club eventually this year. And do when they do, the, they just did youth. Youth deer hunt. Yeah. So when these kids get together and they kill a deer, right, we're going to interview them. Like, tell us the hunt and how it went down. But it's not going to be like, too much detail, but it's yeah. going to be into detail. We're going to go through about, probably about 10 kids, I'm thinking. That should be good. Short and sweet, maybe a couple hours. And I, 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 it would be awesome for y'all to come over. Just come. And I mean, help out with look, that and enjoy. doing stuff like that. But uh, that Saturday is a youth fun day. I think we start about 9 o'clock, and it's all-day events. And then we end up Saturday night with the uh, PKC Youth State Championship Hunt. So it, That's awesome. it's, it's an all day thing. And like I said, we'd love to have y'all and, and just, you know, our, our numbers yeah, have kind of went down a little bit because of all the COVID and all the restrictions right. and all that junk. But we got some, uh, we got some things in work. We hope's going to kind of up that we'd love to have y'all. Over yeah. There. I mean, we really would. Oh, we'd love to be a part. My wife bring your wife bring There's that a leopard lot of... dog you're gonna buy uh, hey, i got three females uh, uh four females over here so hey yeah. it don't matter there's look a buddy mine's little girl I'm trying to stay a... as far away as i can <laughs> a buddy of mine's little girl won last year and broke down in tears she won her cast and uh she didn't even know it she didn't know what was going on and uh, she won her cast, and he told her, he said, look, you won. And she said, what, I won? Just started crying. <laughs> I'm like, man, that's what it's about. That's awesome. Ricky, if yeah, you, that's exactly what it's about. If you bring that boy of yours over there and he likes squirrel hunt, man, he starts seeing yeah. that tree and contest and everything, you might be in the coon hunting business, buddy. Yeah, my wife ain't gonna like that. <laughs> if my boy starts hunting, that's going to mean I'm hunting. Yeah, yeah. that's well, a good outlet. You know, I got a I got a son that's uh, 15 months old. Guess what I want him doing? I want him chasing well, a squirrel dog. Behind you. I want him chasing yeah. a squirrel dog, a coon dog, something in the woods. And uh, right, yeah. not making meth or any other stuff in the woods. Talking about hunting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's right now, this day and age, that's the safest place for a kid. I don't care what's out Man. there. Look, you teach your kids to hunt, you don't have to hunt them. Yep. I had a guy tell me yeah. one night, well, it was at the youth, at a youth hunt, and he said, yeah, my kid's got a drug problem. And I said, what's the deal? I'm looking at his kid. I'm like, this kid ain't old enough to take Tylenol. And uh, he's like, yeah. He said, I've drug him to every hunt I could. I said, well, I get it. <laughs> hey, yeah. So, yeah. Ricky, what, what you got to say before we sign off here, buddy? Oh, man, I just I think what you're doing is is a great thing. You know, there's a lot of a lot of new podcasts starting, and when I came across yours, I was like, man, this is pretty awesome right here because I, 
seen anybody else doing the coon hunting podcast, and I, I just think you're going about it the right way. Your teaching and your the hunting story part of it had me hooked from the word go. Like I was like immediately drawn in because I'm a story guy. So I think what you're doing is awesome, man. Well, I do appreciate that, Ricky. And uh, other, it means a lot that someone like you, you know, that's not a coon hunter or not coon hunting, not right coon now. hunting right now, found my not, podcast. Not you know, and it, it <laughs> really it, it kind of shocked me because I didn't think anybody that didn't coon hunt listen to this you know what i mean till you messed me and i was right. like what but uh man i do and i'm glad i found y'all's podcast and like i said it's between the times and i mean it'll be all over my facebook page when we post this so uh but like i said man i do thank y'all for your time i hope we shared some good stuff here i really think we did i think it was awesome yeah it was all right from between the times i do a podcast <laughs> we are out <laughs> really hope y'all enjoyed that interview as much as i did if you like what you heard here go on over to facebook give us a like at coon hunting you also go to apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and a review it really helps us out and remember if you need a new hunting light do not overlook superior they make an awesome light best customer service in the business man their walking light and double red is the brightest i've ever seen use coupon code chu podcast at checkout at nighthunters.com you can find the link in the description box below this coon hunting university is a product of audio hound productions until next time y'all have a wonderful day